Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Watching the Boxes Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I am your host, Mike Katrin, and joining me, as always, is Tyler Watts. What's going on, Tyler? Oh, man, excited to talk about some tire fires. Yeah, we are in the middle of, of Tire Fire Central. We've been review, uh, doing previews for the NBA season, um, upcoming fantasy season, and we've gotten through almost half of the teams. By now. I, I think, think we're, we're over half now. I think you're shortchanging us here. I'm we're around half, and right here in the middle, we have ventured into Tire Fire City, uh, where all the terrible really horrible teams are where you just uh, both in real life and in fantasy. Uh, we just don't know what's going to happen on some of these teams. We need more information about their um, rotations. And quite frankly, a lot of these teams don't have very good fancy players at all. We haven't even reached the bottom of this barrel yet though. Wait till we talk about Chicago. There's just a tumbleweed. at we, center. You know, I'm not sure we're even going to need to talk about, uh, Chicago, I'm not sure anyone on that team is fantasy relevant. Oh, man, come on. Don't shortchange Cameron Payne. I know he had that foot surgery, but I'm he's coming you know, back to be a top 20 player now. Come on. You know, I'm I'm really upset that uh, Cameron Payne got injured because the Bulls are probably going to win a few more games with him out. So oh, that is really, just cold. That is just really cold-hearted. I was going to take the under. I think they're 21 and a half for wins next year, which is a um, pretty damn low over under. And well, I think I, I take the over on that. It's not that hard to win 21 games. I was going to take the, I was going to take the under, but now that Cameron Payne's injured, I think we're going to take the over. <laughs> oh man. So it's, it's only going to get worse folks. That's all I'm trying to say. It's only going to get worse. Prepare yourself for some bad fantasy teams. Let's go right into the next team. That team is the Los Angeles Clippers. Um, not a not a terrible team on paper. <laughs> on paper, in, in in real life, I think they will be they'll be just fine. Fancy wise, though, they lost their um, obviously best player, traded him away, Chris Paul. He tr- got traded to the Houston Rockets, who we will talk about. In a future, oh, I think they got significantly worse as a team, but I still think they might be able to scrape into the playoffs. I think they'll be fine. I think I think they'll I think they'll make the playoffs. I think if Blake Griffin stays healthy, they'll make the playoffs. How about that? <laughs> so they're out of the playoffs. They're out of the playoffs. It's too bad. Uh, <laughs> they ended up getting Patrick Beverly, Sam Decker back in that trade, along with a bunch of other people that no one cares about. Oh, I guess Lou Williams. Uh, people care about Lou Williams, and uh, they ended up signing. Uh, I'm going to butcher this one, Milos. Tedosich. Milos Tedosich. You almost got it. Tedosich. I'm almost there. I almost got it. I'm working on my uh, European names. But they did lose. um, Oh, they lost Raymond Felton. Heaven forbid. But they also (laughs) lost JJ Redick, who actually matters. And uh, Jamal Crawford, who used to matter, who was probably going to win six man of the year somehow, even though he shouldn't. You mean Randy Felton, right? Randy Felton? Yeah. Who's Randy Felton? If anybody, if anybody in the world gets that joke, I want you to tweet me. Yeah, tweet it tweet at Tyler at Watsy four 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 four. That's four fours to make it four times more confusing when you're typing it into Twitter. Um yes. but we had the return so, of Blake Griffin. We had the return of DeAndre Jordan. I want I want to talk we have Smello Daniello. 
on this team. I want to talk about Tadosic first, okay, so we don't forget him, okay? Oh, because, get, get right after it. Is he the most interesting person on this team? Um, he, he's the most interesting person in the sense that I think a lot of people don't know what to expect from him. He's a, unknown. He's a pure unknown. Okay, so here's what I know. He's not young. Okay, is, that, was, is that it? I thought that was it. I thought that was the whole your whole spiel. No, he's not young. He's thirty years old. That you, that's all you knew. Okay, he's thirty years old. You will hear some of the best players in the NBA talk about how amazing of a passer this guy is, and it's true. YouTube it. This dude can make some crazy passes. He's like uh, Ricky Rubio's. Um, Sexy old uncle, sexy older brother. Oh, I thought you were gonna say like stinky old uncle or something. His, her, his cr- Ricky Rubio's creepy, <laughs> creepy greased haired uncle. The other thing I know about him is he can't guard a tree. So he's like Ricky Rubio's, um, <laughs> still his uncle. Uh, so what I think and. The minutes are going to be a big key and and obviously his fantasy value. But what I think you're going to see is a dude with some flash, a dude who's going to get some assists and probably enough assists to be irrelevant in a standard league. But do not expect any defensive stats at all, ever. He's also, he's also has the ability to score. He's a scorer. He's a shooter. He can shoot. Um, yeah, how, but, he's, okay. how he's going to fare against NBA defenses, I'm not sure. But he can shoot. I don't see him as being like a big-time scorer either. Oh, no. But I think he'll be able to average close to two threes a game. And and what are you projecting as far as percentages go? Um, probably not terribly great. You know, uh, something right in the middle, 42 44%, somewhere, somewhere in that range. I'm with you. Nothing special. Yeah. He's not going to take a ton of shots. He's not going to get a ton of points, but I think he can approach two threes a game, uh, especially if he's getting the minutes. And it makes sense to me without seeing one second of this guy play in the NBA and not seeing any preseason games to put him and Pat Beverly together. Pat Beverly would well, be able to uh, hide um, some of the uh, the perimeter guys um, get Pat Beverly to, to guard the best perimeter guy, hide Milos somewhere in that scheme of things. Um, but they're going to have problems with uh, a lot of problems with defense in uh, in Clipper land. It has played in the last five years on average. Say that again. How many minutes per game on average in the last five years do you think Mr. Tadosic has played? How many how many minutes per game? Mm-hmm. Well, don't they play less minutes in Europe? I, I always forget the rules over there. Um, my guess is twenty seven, twenty five. Okay. So I don't I don't think he's gonna come here and get thirty five. It's just not gonna happen. No, but I I think he can do twenty seven. Uh, and so do I. He can and- start with Pat Bev. Pat Bev can move to the one. Then they bring in Austin Rivers because for some reason Austin Rivers still plays basketball. And he's also been right around a 40% three-point shooter. Now, granted, the line is a little closer, I believe. 
but he's been right around 40% in those last five years for CSK, CSK Moscow. I, uh, I like you. I like, I think that's um, a fairly good pick to take in your later in your drafts, take a flyer on that guy. Um, the, the sharks will probably, uh, they'll but probably you gotta, pick them up. You got to build your team in the sense that you got to be sturdy or punting blocks and steals because this dude, he got, he averaged last season 0.6 blocks and 5.8 steals per game. Say that again. There's no way he, 5.8 steals. I, I want to draft him. So he averaged half a steal and not even a tenth of a block. Yeah, he's um he's not going to be a world beater. But if his assists are seven plus, he's relevant. I'm with you. And that's why – so I, I think a lot of people don't really know anything about him. And so I figured we start off with him just in the sense no, that – I like that. I think he's the uh, the clever pick in your drafts uh, coming up here in the so next point, month or so. Point you start looking at him. We get to pick what, and you're thinking, eh, I might go for him. I'll take him anywhere after 100 for sure. I'm with you. I might even push it a little tiny bit higher in that in that end of the eighth, ninth round. I might start looking at him. I'm not saying I pick him there. Depends on what's around, obviously. But I, yeah. I think I'd start, start giving him an eyeball saying, hmm, I've been, I've been uh, hitting a lot of mock drafts lately. And even in the eighth and ninth round, especially if you're drafting with a bunch of people who kind of just don't know what they're doing or, or casual fans, eighth or ninth round, you're safe. Tenth round, you're probably safe. 11th, 12th round is probably when someone has done some reading and they're like, oh, yeah, remember this dude? He's got a name. He looks like Rick Rubio's uncle. I'm going to pick him. And that's when someone will snag him for me. So 10th, 11th round, that's probably safe for Milos. Um, the rest of this team, and I, I, to me, this is what I would have picked for the most interesting thing going on in this team. Are we going to see point? Blake Griffin. Get out of here with it. Just get it out of here. Are we going to see point Blake Griffin? We're going to see Blake Griffin get hurt again and be the same exact player he's been for the last three years, and everyone's going to want to pick him in the second or third round, and I'm going to be laughing at you all. Now, because of his name recognition, you're 100% right. People are going to reach for him. People are going to overdraft him, and people are going to get him legitimately at his ceiling. And as always, he gets injured, and he'll never beat that ceiling. But point Blake Griffin and at this point it might've been three seasons ago is something to behold. He was threatening uh, triple doubles uh, for at least a three week, a month span when Chris Paul was out and, and they were running the entire offense through point Blake Griffin. Is there a world where half the game Milos is running the offense and the other half of the game Blake is running the offense? It's certainly possible because have you, have you met I've met. Uh, I've never seen Lou Williams meet a shot he didn't like. Is that is that that's, what, the that's what I'm saying, bro? That he's gonna get the ball and he's gonna be shooting it. So, <laughs> I, and that's if the rotation ends up looking like that. Here's the thing. I I also think about this whole point Blake Griffin thing is the more time we put the ball in Blake Griffin's hands and ask him to do something, the more chance he gets hurt. Right the more opportunities there are for him to stub his big toe and roll his ankle and bust his hamstring and punch someone in the face. 
And so I just don't really see them wanting to do that. They know that Blake Griffin is the key to them making the playoffs and having success. So you got to kind of walk that fine line. I'm going to tell you what, I'm not going to own Blake Griffin this year, probably at all. And my guess is you're not. And my guess is I'm going to own him in a few leagues. And hey, man, all the power to you. You you think a leopard's going to change his spots and be something he's not been in the last five years? Maybe. You know, I've been a sucker for Blake Griffin for many years, and I just don't know why I'll stop now. I can't quit you, Blake. Let's see. Other than Blake Griffin, who has the potential to be point Blake Griffin and take a significant uh, move up the rankings and be much more valuable and fancy, who's the who's the next best fancy player on this team? Depends on your league. If you're in a head-to-head league, that would be DeAndre Jordan. He might even be the most valuable player in your league if you're in a head-to-head league. If you're doing it right. And um, obviously, we we are going to get into head-to-head strategy, roto strategy, with some special guests uh, coming up in the next month. But I'll give you a little sneak peek to that, that podcast. You should be putting at least two to three categories. And if you are, DeAndre Jordan's great for punting free throws right off the bat. I mean, he's one of the best at being terrible at free throws. But on the reverse side of that, he's one of the best at field goals, and he's one of the best at rebounding. And he's not too shabby at blocks either. Uh, In a Roto League, he's still someone I think you can own, believe it or not, because of those rebounds, because of 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 the field goal percentage. But he's just not someone you can ride or die with, because getting a one- and a category, um, which you will if you get DeAndre Jordan, can really devastate you in a, um, especially in a very deep roto league. Well, and and here's the the one thing. Okay, now he is a bad free throw shooter. Him and Andre Jordan are the two worst in the league. Um, and his five point two a game is not great, but. It's also not eight a game. So you got to hope that somebody else gets Andre Drummond, somebody else gets some of these other real bad free throw shooters, and you can kind of make up with it by getting some high-volume free throw shooters in a Roto League. I pretty much tried to avoid DeAndre Jordan until, like, after pick 100 in any kind of Roto League, and someone's usually willing to snag him before that. And good on them. Let them lose that field goal percentage. I'm I'm trying to keep my field goal percentage somewhat strong. It's pretty it's pretty hard to make up for the damage that Drummond does. But DeAndre, while still, I mean, you really have to go after guys who are super high volume free throw shooters. And if you don't, you're going to get second to last behind him. DeAndre actually shot more than Drummond last year. He shot more attempts per game. Now the percentage was slightly better, but he actually shot more attempts per game, which was the first time in a while, I believe. Yeah, and actually you might see DeAndre with the ball a lot more this uh, this year. So The Chris Paul effect I think, on I him. I think DeAndre is going to take the, uh, take the cake in, uh, in worse free throw. The the Chris Paul effect on him and Blake Griffin, I think, is actually a little bit understated in the sense that I think both of their field goal percentages go down, I won't say significantly, significantly, but a good amount in the sense that 
Chris Paul is a great passer. He's got the ability to find you. He's got the ability to shoot the three, to create a lot of open looks for you. And I, I get that some people are going to say, oh, Tadoshis is a great passer too. He's going to do the same thing. But those guys have all played together for a few years, and they've kind of gotten used to each other. I think especially early on in the season, Tadosic isn't going to be up to speed. And let's face it, Tadosic is not going to be Chris Paul. It's just not going to happen. And so yeah. – I think those two could see their their field goal percentages go down. I think the the loss of Chris Paul, who is a master at uh, orchestrating an offense, even though he's one of the dirtiest players in the league, don't ever forget that. He still made everyone on this team much much better, and so you will see uh, field goal hits from from both of those guys, especially Blake, who's going to be taking um, a lot more shots on this team. But uh, another guy, go ahead. You know what I mean? He's not just going to be taking wide open shots, right? He's going to have to work to get to his offense. It's not going to be uh, just alley-oop dunking. He is going to be uh, trying to break guys down one-on-one, which he can do, but uh, he's still a bit predictable when it comes to that. So some of those better defenders will uh, will take him on. Um, what is your synopsis on Daniela Gallinari on this team? Is he is he due to to be better than he was? in uh, Denver. He's another guy that I I just don't really see much changing for him. I mean, he's he's kind of Blake Griffin's crappier brother, right? Like he he always gets knocked up. He can score a little bit. He can do a little bit of everything. He's not really very good at the defensive stats. He's a good I'm, free throw shooter. He he does shoot at volume. Which I mean, which always makes him valuable at a point, right? But does his move to the Clippers increase his draft day value? I think it kind of does. Like I've heard some people like kind of getting a little sexy on him. And I just think he is what he is at this point. I, I don't know how his role is any different on the Clippers than it was on the Nuggets. Why would he not be doing the exact same type of stuff on the Nuggets? And that's And I'm talking about that in a not a positive way or a negative way. Uh, all the negatives that he had in Denver are going to come with him, and all the positives that he had in Denver are going to come with him. He's going to hit a few threes. He's going to score a bit. He's going to have that great free throw, per, uh, yeah, free throw percentage. But his, his field goal percentage is going to be eh, questionable, and he's going to be okay at, at the counting stats, and and not great at at blocks or steals. I'm with you. And he averaged 34 minutes a game last year. Is he averaging 34 minutes a game on this team? What wing men do they have? Uh, the great nobody. I mean, he could get 35 minutes a game. I mean, they got nothing on that wing, which is crazy, unless they're going to play Austin Rivers as a small forward. Uh, they got Wes Johnson. They got Bryce Sam Johnson. Decker. They got Okay, you you and you enjoy drafting yeah. Sam Decker. I'm just saying Sam Decker can play spot minutes in in the NBA game. He's uh, he's nothing to turn yourself about when it comes to. Uh... I always thought this guy was like a real good shooter and in college, and then like he shot fifty five point nine percent from the free throw line last year, and I was very disappointed in Sammy Decker. Yeah, and he was um, he's been pretty trash, but the the guy can play. 15, 16 minutes a game. And that's what he'll probably do because someone has to freaking play that. So 
like I said, Daniel Gennari, probably the exact same thing he was last year. I just don't see why he would get significantly better or worse on the Clippers. Is there anyone else in this team that's standard league relevant? Did I miss someone? Um, unless, unless you're counting Pat Beverly Williams. Yeah, let's let's talk about them. What do you Pat, Pat Beverly? I think will be standard league relevant in the same. And I think this goes right. I'll use the same damn argument because why not? It works. How is this role any different than the role he played on Houston? Um, it actually might be a little bit more usage, crazily enough. Yeah. And Pat Beverly, per game, uh, in an A-cat, was the 64th-ranked player last year. He's not going to score, obviously, but those steals are very, very sexy. He doesn't turn the ball over. and um, For a relatively short man, a really good rebounder, too. Yeah, and six and four for from the from the guard position. Six rebounds and four assists. Now those assists you'd like to be a little bit higher, but maybe put him at the two. And well, it, it's, actually, it's the points that hurt me the most. Getting you know barely being able to he'll probably break ten points a game this year, but those steals that they add up. The worry for me is that the assists go down a little bit, and because they're not such a good floor spacing team. I mean, Blake Griffin is not a great three-point shooter. DeAndre Jordan can't even shoot a, a mid-range jump shot. Maybe I need to watch a little bit more Pat Beverly, but is he is he capable of orchestrating the pick and roll and uh, throwing alley-oops to, to, to either one of these guys, to at least uh, DeAndre? Capable, yes. Will it happen? I mean, I don't know. You got to know what's coming on defense, right? I mean, you're not super afraid of Pat Beverly nailing a shot in your eye, so – yeah, you're probably playing the pass because you don't care if Pat Bev shoots at all. Right, and so, I mean, I a lot of what makes Chris Paul so dangerous in that is, right, we don't really want Chris Paul shooting the ball. <laughs> he can so, score from anywhere. Right, so you're kind of like in a rock and a hard place position where it's like, well, do we go all out and get Paul or do we try to defend this lob or – and so you don't really know what to do, whereas Pat Bev is not going to command that kind of respect. What round are you looking at Pat Bev in? Maybe eighth round, seventh round? <sighs> See, I, if, maybe anything, not even if anything, I think Pat Bev takes a little tumble because I think the assists maybe come down a little bit and the points maybe go up a little bit, but I think the assists are more valuable than the points in his yeah, case. They, def- they definitely are. So I, I'm – Probably not. I'm probably looking at him in the eighth. I'm probably not taking him to like the ninth or tenth. That's fair. He doesn't have a lot of upside, and I think that's uh, that's a, the proper way to look at it. Uh, Lou Williams coming over. There's, I think, there's a little less. Um, I don't know. There's probably the same amount of minutes for him uh, on the Clippers than there were from Houston. Maybe a little less, but Lou Williams started out the year real hot last season and finished the year pretty poorly. Uh, which Lou Williams are we getting this season? Somewhere in the middle, I would guess. I mean, it all averages out, right? Yeah, and he he's going to do Lou Williams things. He's going to score the ball on a bad field goal percentage. He's going to shoot good free throws on decent attempts. I think um, he's going to get you the good three point numbers that you want, like two a game, probably. Uh, the steal's nice. There's no blocks. I mean, he was forty fifth. And now, granted, he played 82 games, and I'm looking at the total value, but he was 45th last year. 
That ain't happening again. Is he standard league relevant? Probably so, just because it's hard to find 17 points, and, and especially late in that draft. And I think he plays enough on this team. Uh, unless, I mean, I don't know, the the coach's son is on the team, so maybe that guy takes up Lou Williams's minutes, but he should be playing on this team. Well, and here's and that, and that guard position, okay, they've got Beverly, they got Williams, they got Austin Rivers, they got Tadosich. Who else are you really looking at as a guard that's got to play? Mm, nobody. DeAndre Legans. So, you, you know what I mean? So they got four guys to play 96 minutes. Um, so he should get a, a decent decent amount of minutes, I'm thinking. And plus, you might you might see Austin Rivers even play some three. And, I mean, Sam Decker moved down to the four, and Danilo Gallinari moved down to the four. So, I mean, I think there's going to be plenty of minutes for everybody to go around because there's not that much depth on this team. That'd be fun. Put Blake at five. I'd like to see that. I hope they do that. That'd be good. Um, is there any fan, uh, dynasty or keeper assets here? I, I really don't see any. Well, your boy Sam Decker, you've been typing him up, so you yeah, go ahead and talk on. about him. Oh, yeah, I, I've already I've talked enough about Sam Decker for the year. Um, um, so here's an interesting one. Um, say your league is one of those ones who doesn't let a player in until they're actually on an NBA team. Where does Tadosage kind of come in in that rookie? new guy draft. Hmm. He's 30 years old, so you're not going to get him for, for a, a fantastically long career, you wouldn't think. Um, yeah, I think you would have to be in that spot where you are. You want to compete this year, obviously, because, I mean, he's, like you said, he's 30. But so, Okay, so it's a 12-team Dynasty League, let's say. Okay, you get to keep everybody for as long as you want. Okay. Um, you won the championship last year, so you're picking 12. One would think you think you're a contender again. Are you looking at Tadosich as your first round pick if he's there? At twelve. I guess you could pick him at thirteen if you really wanted to. Um just to make it interesting. It doesn't matter. Um whew. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, me too. And so that uh, that's kind of where I was getting at. Is he's that- probably Eight or nine, even. That's what I mean. And flags fly forever, right? So if you think you're a contender, he's definitely a guy to be looking at for this year. Maybe only get one or two or three good years out of him. But if you can get those assists, especially if you're an assist needy team, uh, that might be worth it. Another rookie guy that I was interested in kind of in the draft, and I was disappointed he went to the Doc Rivers Clippers, uh, is Juwan Evans. I mean, not a tall man, but I really like him. He's kind of like a tenacious scorer. I think he's going to be a decent shooter in the NBA. Um, Doc Rivers hates to play rookies. So it would have to be a situation where I was either A, rebuilding, or B, just looking to stash someone for a couple years. But I think Dewan Evans, and it's going to have to be a deep dynasty league. I don't ever think he's a starting point guard, but I could see him kind of being someone off the bench who plays 25 to 28 minutes and produces some points, some threes, some assists, and just as kind of that spark plug scorer type yeah that'd have to be one of those leagues where you know it's going to be around in five five years and you get you know 20 people in that league and you got a lot of spots to fill up on your roster 
Um, but someone to keep an eye. It's on. worth. It's it's definitely worth a, a when you when you. I don't know. I, I for some reason that those kind of leagues don't intrigue me because I like the off season is the most is the most fun part. Um, I like drafting. I like uh, players moving around a lot. So those, those all keeper dynasty leagues, uh, I, I super appeal to me. But I think you're right. I'll, he's, I'll he's speak to you about one I have that that I really like. It it actually melds in both. The longest you can keep anyone is is eight years, and so because there's contracts, and so your contract goes up every year. And what it does is like all the big name guys end up getting thrown back in the free agent pool every year because their contract goes up to an absorbent price. And so it kind of creates the best of both worlds is you can have some of these young guys that you can meld and hold and you think are going to become something. And then like a lot of the guys who get kept are like the mid range players on decent contracts. And then it's just an all out bidding war for like all the real good guys. I like that on draft day. So it's kind of like, it's a mixture of the two and it's kind of really nice. So I think that kind of makes it, more interesting because really if you're looking at just a straight redraft league, you're winning. You can lose your, I always say this, you can lose your draft in the first round, but you're certainly not going to win your draft in the, in the first round. Everyone's getting a good player in the first round this year, especially. Um, it's those middle rounds, those mid tier players and mid tier players who are on good contracts for like a dynasty league where they care about contracts. That's where the more interesting players are. I think that's what I'd be intrigued in that league. It sounds like a cool league. Yeah. So, I mean, and that, and for anyone who's looking to start a dynasty league, that's kind of where I would go with it. Those ones where you can keep everybody forever. It's really hard to keep people into it because usually one guy builds a really good team and then it's over. No one wants to play anymore because this dude wins every year. And yeah. so I, I would kind of shy away from that and try to make some sort of penalty for keeping a guy. Yeah, you don't, and, and and that goes for any keeper league. There should be a penalty for keeping someone because that keeps it interesting. And I uh, actually had a keeper league begin um, Steph Curry's rookie year. I ended up picking up Steph Curry off the waiver wire. And quite frankly, if we didn't change the rules, I would have Steph Curry today on the most absurd contract and I'd be just knocking out championships left and right. But instead, uh, for the good of the league, because I enjoy playing with my friends more than I – that's not true. I like winning more than I like playing with my friends. They can all screw each other themselves. But for the fact that we wanted to keep this league actually going, we implemented a restricted free agency where we actually uh, bid on players after a certain amount of years, and then you have the option to keep them. Um, it wants to, it's a blind bidding process. It's actually a lot of fun. You win, especially when you're drunk. Um, everybody blind bids on someone's best player. And then that team has the right to keep them at that price if they'd like. So it it, it reintroduces these unfair keepers. So like Steph Curry, who is completely unfair at like $5, $6, $7. Um, it reintroduces them back into a, uh, it standardizes their price after you've reaped the benefits for at least a short amount of time. So that's another one of those best of both worlds kind of uh, keeper style drafts. I think, you know, this, we're going to have to do a whole podcast on dynasty and keeper uh, types of dynasty and keeper leagues. We can make up. That'd be a good. Don't get me started. I might have to make one up and actually play it out. Don't get me started. Well, that will be that podcast 
really selling our podcast short. That that podcast will be way more interesting than the next team we're going to preview, the Utah Jazz. Now, don't hate on the wow, Utah Jazz. Wow, wow, wow. No one, no one cares about the Utah Jazz. I care about the Utah Jazz. Oh, there we go. They're There's... Mark Roberts' favorite team. Don't hate on them. Oh, boy. Well, he's not here yet, so I can hate him at least for now. Um, Utah Jazz, they ended up trading uh, for Ricky Rubio. They picked up Tabo Sabalosha off of free, uh, free agency, uh, and they drafted Donovan Mitchell. And those I are like probably how the... you make free agency seem like it's the supermarket, where you just were uh, walking along with your cart. Oh, there's Tabo Sabalosha. I'll pick him up. I'd love to pick up Tabo Sabalosha. <laughs> He's, you know, former Chicago Bull. Tom Which Sofalosha. shelf do you think they put Tablo Shelfalosha on? Because you know how they put, like, all the good stuff on the eye-level shelf? Do you think yeah. they put him on that shelf, or do you think he's, like, on the top shelf, or maybe on the bottom shelf? I think he's on the top shelf, because you only want people who who can, who can reach for him to get him, you know? Oh, so you're, now you're precluding short people. Yeah. I'm, I'm a short person. I'm real short. Um, so no discrimination here, but uh, Tabasa Felosha, he's he's a hidden gem on the top shelf. Man, I mean, I I actually thought Pablo Felosha was a mid mid shelf man myself, but uh, if you say so, Mike. Uh, no, no, no. Um, they uh, the big news here is losing Gordon Hayward and George Hill. Um, but uh, and, uh, uh, and don't don't worry, about- everyone. They re-signed Joe Ingles. So. You know you're excited about Royce O'Neal and Epe Udo joining this team. I'm, I'm not. I don't ever want to hear those names again. Um, let's go right into it. What's the most interesting thing on this team? Um, the most interesting thing on this team. Um, the most interesting fantasy thing is probably uh Ricky Rubio. Oh, okay. Because Ricky Rubio is always underrated, man. I guarantee I'll own Ricky Rubio again. And it's going to be even more underrated now that he went to the Jazz because no one ever cares about a Jazz player. Yeah, like I said, no one cares about the Jazz, and that is a true statement, which is good for you if you like people on the Jazz and people don't care. Uh, Ricky Rubio had an excellent second half last year, uh, which might, might, you know, allow people to uh to pay attention to him he finally shot over 40 percent last year and he's one of the, another one of the few people and this is rare to get double digit assists per game and another stat that's very rare to get double digits so he is incredibly valuable when it comes uh to the point guard position even though his percentages are are very bad um, or his his field goal. Sorry, his free throw is actually not bad. Yeah, he's actually a good free throw shooter. Yeah, and he's he's adding in some three pointers finally. He's gotten up to point eight, which I mean it used to be hey, worse. Hey. Watch out, uh, everybody. Slowly working it up there. He might get it over it's one this year. Better I'm, than zero. I'm I'm excited for that. Um yeah, so I think he falls outside the top fifty, and I think he's a top fifty player. So I bet you I have Rubio. Um yeah, I think he deserves um, a look in the top 50 simply because of his outstanding um, assists. But he's also a very good rebounder, uh, which I think will take a hit because Rudy Gobert and is a much better rebounder. But he's one of the best steal guys in the league. He is an outstanding steal guy. And the assists and steals, two elite, elite categories for him. Plus the good free throw percentage. Now, granted, there's not a ton of attempts. Like 3.8 a game, not a ton. 
I will be owning me some Rubio for those two category boosts. And I think that's fair. Um, let's go to the rest of the standard league players on this team. Uh, Rudy Gobert, probably the number one fantasy player on this team. I have seen people talking about Rudy Gobert in the top 10, top 12. Do you agree with that assessment? Not for this fella. Uh, what's about a head-to-head league? Not for this fella. He, he's the, firmly the entrenched run. in my second round. I don't see any way that he works into my top 12 at all. Um, and I'll, I'll even venture to say this. There's guy, a lot of guys I'd rather have than him. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins, Paul George, Damian Lillard, Kyrie Irving. I'd rather have all those guys than him, and those guys are probably fringe first round, if not second round players. Yeah, um, I'm well, I'm high on Cousins this year, and you will find out about that. Uh, but yeah, Gobert is a solid middle second round player for me. Um, centers are hard to get, but I'm not sure where people are finding the massive jump out of Rudy Gobert. Uh, I w- you go look at what he did last year, right? He played 34 minutes a game. He averaged 14 and 13, which is pretty insane. Uh, two and a half blocks a game. That's crazy. But here's the thing. Here's where the thing am I? Where am I getting more value? Where am here's, I getting more value? Here's the thing I've been hearing, and, and here's the flaw in that. There, the theory is he takes the white side leap and scores more points and gets a few more rebounds now that Gordon Hayward's out of the picture. The problem people don't understand with that theory is the same thing will happen to him that happened to Whiteside and that both percentages will go in the tank. Yeah, even uh, even so, with his percentages in the tank, though... Um, they're still going to be good. But he'll probably be... shoot 58%, though. He's shooting 66% last year. That's, in, that's absurd. But see, it all comes out in the wash then when you're that high level of a player. If some go up and some go down, you end up being about the same rank. Because... Yeah, okay, you got a few more points. Like, he's probably only going to get up to, like, 15, 15 and a half, maybe 16. He might get up to, like, 13 and a half rebounds if he's lucky. But the, the percentages will go down enough that it'll be the exact same. And the block yeah. will probably go down a little bit more, too, just because he's got to work a little harder on that offensive end. Yeah, and it depends on where, uh, what kind of league you're playing in and what kind of strategy you're playing with. Um, a A dip in field goal just for four more points a game really might actually kill you if you are someone who really needed those field, that field goal percentage or, or in a roto league uh suddenly you're you're just not getting absurd elite level field goal percentage and this team is one of the most interesting teams in the sense that it's going to be really interesting to see who takes the shots now they're utah they always shoot less because they play that good defense so they don't play at a high pace, so they create less shot opportunities. But, I mean, they lost Gordon Hayward's, like, 15 a game, and they didn't really add anybody who's going to shoot the ball. And they stopped George Hill for Ricky Rubio, and they lost some shots there. Yeah, Rubio doesn't take a ton of shots. And so someone's got to shoot. So whether Gobert takes a few or maybe Rodney Hood takes them all, I don't I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but someone's going to have to eventually shoot the ball. No, I 100% agree. Let's let's talk about Rodney Hood. Um, it's definitely going to start. 
because what else are they doing? Um, is is he standard league relevant? Playing thirty two minutes a game. I think he has to be, in the sense that he's got to get the minutes now. Hopefully, he can stay healthy this year. Um, the injuries limited him quite a bit last year, but I could see Rodney Hood kind of taking a a man sized leap into standard league relevance in the sense that he's probably going to be asked to score a lot more. And at even 16, 17, 18 points a game, he's going to be a standard league relevant player. Yeah, I don't know, actually, because that percentage is so very low. Um, he's He's got to improve on that percentage. If he improves on that percentage, then we're not, we don't need to have this discussion. But the fact that there is a legit chance he might not shoot better than 41%, um, more shots I, just means a worse field goal percentage and a, a handful more points. And never he's again. still not getting any assists. His steals are super freaking low for a guard, which you don't ever want to see. And okay, let's. He's not let's, getting. He's not getting elite threes. So let's throw this last season out because it was a bad one. It was. it was definitely a step back. Let's let's take a look at fifteen sixteen for Rodney. Sure. Okay, forty two percent. Yeah, you're not loving it, but it's not the worst thing in the world. Uh, he's probably an 80% free throw shooter. He's probably not okay. going to shoot the 86 again, but he's probably around 80. Can, can we agree on that? Maybe. Yeah, let's say 80 is fine. Okay, so then you look at the rest of the numbers, which, I mean, all that year I could see, I'm ho- I'm thinking he gets a few more shots than 12.3 just because they need someone to shoot, which I'm with you that could drop the percentage down, but isn't anybody who scores like, 16, 17, 18 points a game relevant in a standard league, even for the back end? Oh. I mean, find me a guy who scored. In a, in a standard league, yes. In a, in a, in a, in a standard league. But I, I don't see a monster leap out of this. I, I, I would Breaking say, the top 100 is his ceiling. Yes. Uh, I, and that's where I think some people are going to make the mistake is I think he's going to maybe be kind of a trendy sleeper. Because people see the scoring and they go, oh, sh- shit, that guy, if he takes a leap in scoring, he's going to be sick, but he doesn't do anything else. Yeah, and while and scoring is very important late in drafts, uh, I, I understand how that works. The guy's not going to – he's not a world beater. He's not going to be a top 80 player. Well, and there's no there's no real mobility for him to get the steals and the blocks better, I don't think. Like, I don't see any way where I go, oh, Rodney Hood steals a – gets a steal or a steal and a half a game now, or Rodney Hood gets half a block a game. Like, I just don't really see that happening. He might get a steal. He might maybe just barely push to one. But that's about as high as it gets. So, yeah, I'm with you. He's probably somewhere between 75 and 100 at his ceiling. I think there's – you know what? This team's a little bit more interesting than I thought it was. I told because you, Because there's, there's a couple more guys that I, I really want to talk about. And um, I'm going to start with the ghost of Derek Favors. Uh, the demise of Derek Favors, my my man. Is he the real number one sleeper in the in next year's draft? You think if you spell your name like that, that just means like you're good when you're super young, and then you just all of a sudden oh, hit the bricks? On. I don't need to hear this. Is that is that how that works? I need to hear this right now. Right, because I only know two guys who spell the name like that. Um, I'm gonna, you know what? If I have a son, I'm gonna name him Derek. I'm gonna spell it like that. 
Um, he's going he's to he's, he's, he's he's be really good until the time he's like 21, and then it's just all downhill from there. Just a ton of knee problems for some reason. <laughs> um, he, I mean, that last year was – no, granted, he he was injured, right? But – and that, that injury lingered. I mean, it was very obvious that injury lingered. But that was a really, really horrible season. And let's let's look at the ranks per game the three seasons before that. 29th, 42nd, and 58th. And he was relatively healthy. 62, 74, 73 games. I mean, this guy was a fantasy stud. I mean, this guy was a good fantasy He was on the up. I mean, he's 26 years old. There was – I can remember – Many seasons ago, seeing flashes uh, of Derek Favors when he was not the starter on his team, and going, "Uh oh, that guy's a steal and a block candidate, uh, one steal, one block candidate." In fact, that guy's a one steal, two block candidate. He's got a good field goal percentage. He's he can rebound the ball. This guy's on my radar. And once he started hitting it big, you know, like when he was playing thirty minutes, that one and one with eight rebounds and six points really mattered um, with, with really good field goal percentage. But here's the thing. Three years ago, that was really, really nice to be, you know, 16 and 8 with a, a block and a half and a steal. In today's NBA, 16 and 8 with a steal and a block and a half isn't – I don't know. Is, is that even top 50 anymore? Players are yeah, just better top, now. That's top 50. I mean, if you're looking at it, no a threes. Top, a top 50 guy last year, Drew Holiday, 15 points, a steal and a half, half a block. Now you get a good assist. Uh, you have Vucevic, who made the top 50 at relatively the same thing. Less yeah, rebounds, but more steals okay. and blocks from favor. Oh. So he's he's definitely a top 50 guy. Um, if he can get back to that. Here was the most worrying thing to me about last year, and I don't know if you noticed this or not. Was it me, or did he exclusively pretty much play without Rudy Gobert? He was almost exclusively a center last year. There were very few minutes where those two played together. Yeah, they did not. They didn't really did not enjoy playing those two guys together. So that's that's a problem for someone, right? That either means Rudy Gobert go down, or Derek Favors doesn't have yeah. that many minutes available to him. Like I said, it's a problem for Derek Favors because uh, Rudy Gobert ain't going nowhere. And I was hoping for a trade this offseason. I really was. I, I still think Derek Favors is, is young. and I know a team I mean, that yeah, would the, trade him for Dwayne Wade, straight up. Um, but Derek Favors is also one of those guys where his values – I mean, it's the whole the whole Brandon Knight thing. Like, why, why is the Suns not trade Brandon Knight last year? When no one wants to take a shot on Brandon Knight because you guys won't play Brandon Knight at all. Like if you I think anyone did because he's out for the season, I believe. Well, well, yeah, that's this offseason. I'm talking about last year, like yeah. all of last year. That's all you heard was why isn't Brandon Knight getting traded? Well, if the if your own team is devaluing you by not playing you a lot of minutes and or basically saying you're crap, no one wants to pay an exorbitant price for you, right? And so you can ask for a, a big price because you know it's a skilled player, but everyone's like well, you're not playing him, so we think he's only worth a second-round pick. And so he's more valuable to you than he is in the market, so I think he stays. And I think the minutes just really aren't there, unfortunately. 
You don't uh, think he's going to approach 30 minutes a game this year? I mean, they don't have a ton of power forwards, but I, that's they what, didn't that's what I keep looking at. Who's, who's playing those minutes then? Are they moving Joe Johnson to the four? Are they moving Joe Ingles to the four? Are they playing well, Joe Ingles? Does, does play a lot of four. I mean, I mean, they could do it, right? It could be done. And, and he, it, I don't know why it wouldn't make more sense to, to, to play Derek Favors closer to 28 minutes a game. Okay, how many minutes behind Rudy Gobert does he play? It was like 50-50 split last year, which was better than I thought it was. They'd about 54% at center, 46% at power forward, according to basketball reference. So if he can play 15 behind favors and 15 at power forward, I mean, there's a 30-minute-a-night guy. If he gets 30 minutes, I think he's definitely a Stanley relevant guy. Yeah, I think at 30 minutes, any – yeah, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with it. At 30 minutes a game – and he's looking relatively healthy. I think he's a top 100 guy. I'm with you. So where are you looking at him? I think this is the the million-dollar question. His name still rings out with people who play fantasy. Though anyone who is aware of what he did last year, they're going to think he's trash and might not even bother um, drafting him. So... If his ceiling is breaking the top 100, which is really sad for a guy whose ceiling in previous seasons was top 30. Well, his ceiling is that Rudy Gobert gets hurt and he's top 50 again. I mean, it's possible. Um, I don't mind taking taking him ninth ninth round or later. I see. I might even be able to get on board a little tiny bit before that. Oh, if, okay, so you got a little no, bit more interest see, in this but, Derek Favors, but maybe not today. Okay, what I want to see, and, and I'm not, I'm not going to be doing too many drafts today, so that's good. What I want to see is I want to see his butt in training camp, in preseason, looking healthy, not sitting out because his knee hurts him, and I want to see them playing those two together, and I want to see what that dynamic looks like. Because if that dynamic is getting trashed on the defensive end. And they're only going to make him a center. I'm super worried about the minutes, and I'm not willing to take him there. But if they're playing those two a lot together, and that lineup's doing relatively well, I think he's probably. I might even venture like in the late seventh round. Wow, you're pretty high on Derek Favors. I, I do think he does have the potential to be a proper sleeper in this draft. A sleeper that people didn't read about three seconds before as they were Googling stuff for the draft because they forgot they had a draft that night. They're like, best sleepers of this to this season. Derek Favors is not going to come up in that article. So I think you're safe with, uh, with Derek Favors. But, you know, all it takes is one really good preseason game for everyone to, to pay attention. Like always. Like always. Uh, there, uh, let's keep going. There's a lot to do on the this Utah team. I thought we were going to get to another team, but there's a lot to talk about here. Uh, Joe Ingles is going to start. Joe Ingles uh, played Jingle and Joe. Yeah, Joe Ingles played uh, down the, the last half of the season, close to thirty minutes a game. Actually, in those thirty minutes, he was a standard league relevant player. 
Um, a steal, a couple threes, a couple assists, a couple rebounds. He's playing the Gordon Hayward role in this offense now. Does that make him more valuable than he was down the stretch last year? Well, let's not get out of ourselves. He's not going to be playing the Gordon Hayward role in Simpson. I don't think he's, he's going to be playing in that position. Okay. But he's, he's not going to be playing Gordon Hayward. Is he even in a TV not, drama, he's not going to be playing Gordon Hayward. He's not going to be shooting it 15 times a night like Gordon Hayward. Yeah. I don't want to racially profile Joe Ingles, <laughs> but he's not Gordon Hayward. Um, I've been hearing some hype on Joe Ingles, and I'm not really too sure why. I guess that there's going to be the minutes and maybe even as much as like 32 to 34 minutes. I mean, there's not a ton behind him in this small forward role. But what what's sexy about Joe Ingles? Um, I think what people like from what I've I've been listening to anyway is that he can facilitate fairly well for his position. And if he is going to play in similar schemes, the um, and and run plays similar to what Gordon Hayward w- was running last year. He does have potential for a few more assists, but okay, maybe a few more rebounds. I'll take you to task on that one a little bit more. But his free throws are just atrocious. So if he's getting the line more, that that hurts his value. And okay, but last year it was Gordon Hayward and George Hill. Sure. Okay. So George Hill, other than the year Paul George did that to his leg, which I don't want to talk about. Um, yeah, nobody does. George Hill was kind of a secondary ball handler to Paul George. Yes. I think he did pretty much the same thing last year with Gordon Hayward in the sense that he left Gordon Hayward run a lot of the offense. Mm-hmm. And that's why George Hill made more sense in Minnesota, but we won't have to, we don't need to get into that right now. So, Here's what I'm going to say is Ricky Rubio is going to want that ball on his hands. And if you're smart, which um, Utah is actually kind of known for being a, a pretty smart team. Quinn Snyder, underrated coach in the NBA. Quinn Snyder is a very good coach. He he looks like he is going to uh, sell you three cars while touching your sister, but <laughs> very good coach in the NBA. And... If he's smart, which I think he is, he's going to let Richard Rubio run that offense all the time. Right. And so, so I, I see where I see where you're going with this. I don't see like like some people like make it seem like it's going to be like four or five assists for Joe Ingles. Like I'm, I'm not on board with that. Maybe like three and a half. Okay. I'm, I'm still thinking. I think Joe Ingles can can breach the four assist mark. Okay. All right. Well, then, then he's getting interesting. The the blocks just irk me, man. For a man that tall, you should be able to block like a shot once in a blue moon. Well, no, I don't want to racially profile Joe Ingles, but there was there was a movie that uh, referred to the fact why Joe Ingles isn't blocking any shots. What was the movie? White Man Can't Jump, my friend. Ah, poor Joe. Poor Um, Joe. We're all. So, how many points does Joe score? Let's 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 hammer this out. How many points does Joe score a night? And that's this is um, this is why his ceiling is at best is standard league relevancy into the bench because even playing starters minutes 
taking more shots. He's going to score like 11 points a game at best. Yeah, and I mean, like, I just don't... Other than the steals, the steals have the potential to be a, a sexy category if he gets over, like, that one-and-a-half mark. Yeah, I think but he's the rest a little... Of just, okay, I mean, like, A little yeah, bit more interesting in a roto setting, perhaps. I'll back you. I could see um, him just kind of chipping away at the end of your bench, spot-starting him when, when the Utah Jazz play, and chipping away at the assists and steals for the week and the threes. So, just kind of a really, really boring player that happens to do a lot of things just fine. This, this is going to be a surprise for a Utah Jazz player, but I think I might not own Joe Angles at all. Because I think Joe might get a little bit of hype train. And you know what happens in those guys that are ranked like around 100, 110, 120 when they get the hype train? They end up getting picked like 60, 70, 80. And I think that's Joe's like absolute ceiling. Like and I don't really see him. Being... Those are, and those are the guys who should be picked ninety, one hundred, one hundred and ten. Yeah. So I, I, I'm not, I'm not super on board with Jingling Joe Ingles, but good luck to him. I hope he does well for himself. He seems like a nice guy. I think that's fair. And I think if you, um, if you're in a roto league, putting him at the end of your bench. Um, I like, I like that pick. You know, I, I mean, at, at like ninety, one hundred, I'm interested. But at seventy, sixty, eighty. He's for somebody else. We got a lot of guy, guys in the 90 100 range now. I'm going to have to redo my rankings. Some of those guys are going to fall to the 120. But I think, you know, kind of what we were saying at the beginning of this what? podcast, or maybe we said at the last podcast, those guys in the 90 100 range are pretty interchangeable with the 110 120 range. Well, it just and, depends and, on the minutes and the nights and the rotations. And not only that, but it depends on what you need on your team. And Absolutely. This is, where, this is where guys make the mistake, right? You got to know what your team needs. Okay, we can all say, oh, Joe Ingles is five spots better than, I mean, I don't know, name anybody, it doesn't matter. He's five spots better than Taj Gibson. But if your team needs what Taj Gibson does and not what Joe Ingles does, then you pick Taj Gibson over Joe Ingles. And, I mean, it could be any players. It doesn't matter the names. But you got to know what the guy's going to provide and know what your team needs, and then that's who you pick. A lot of these players – that whole range there from 80 to 120, a small gain in any one category can boost you up very quickly because they're all very, very close to one another in that range. Conversely, what your team needs matters way more. If, you, if you're looking at Enos Cantor and Joe Ingles, okay, who are two guys probably going to be ranked relatively around the same spot, and your team needs field goal percentage and points, you better be picking Enos Cantor. If your team needs a little bit of everything else, especially steals, you better be picking Joe Ingles. Yep. You're, I mean, that is an incredibly great point. You're 100% right there. And I think, did we already go through? Did we already do Minnesota already? I don't think we have. Well, I'm going to. We I'm have gonna... not done Minnesota. And actually, one of my favorite players who, pr- who proves that every single time is Gorgie Dang, and and we'll get to him in a future episode. But Gorgie Dang, when he's playing like 31 minutes a game, top 50 player. When he's playing like 27 minutes a game, 90th ranked player. It's it's just that extra half a block and that extra half a steal and that extra point that really make the difference. You fall right out of those rankings real quick. Yeah, and that's what people don't understand is like the minutes drive a ton of this. And so a lot of it, if your coach gets a little peed off at you and doesn't want to play you that much, 
can knock you down significantly. Um, yeah, or, or say your coach brought in a old veteran favorite who knows his system and perhaps used to be on a some sort of bench mob. Um, perhaps then your minutes will go down and make you less valuable. Um, and that team, and we'll get to them in a little bit. Little, little minutes, yeah, extra minutes on a preview in this episode. They're one of the most interesting teams to me right now in the sense that they have four open roster spots. Now, they don't have a lot of money, but there's still some guys out there that are some decent rotation players. Yeah, they need to um, perhaps sign someone. And so, I mean, they, they probably oh. did the, the most revamping of any team this, this summer, if I would say. In the sense that they have a lot of new starters and a lot of new rotation players. Yeah, you know, actually, I got a deal for them. I will trade um, Zach Levine and Chris Dunn for Jimmy Butler straight up. Oh, who actually, would do you know, that? I'll throw, a, I'll throw in a second round pick. Who would do a deal like that? I mean, it's, it's the dumbest deal I've ever heard. Um, let's are we are we finished with Utah? Should we talk about Donovan Mitchell at all? Um, well, yeah, I mean, we always talk about guys who are relevant in Keeper and Dynasty League. So is Donovan Mitchell relevant to Keeper and Dynasty League? I think he is. I think he absolutely is. Um, like you're saying, there's the, you look at the depth chart for this this team, and some minutes got to go somewhere. And the other Dynasty guy on this team, Dante Exum, I think they're still going to give Dante Exum a chance. But Donovan Mitchell um, probably is going to play the two probably could slide, maybe slide into the three in in certain situations. Um, and, and I think he's if, shown some flashes in that summer league. Um, I'm willing, I'm willing to pick him in that, in, in that top 10, in that hypothetical top 10 dynasty draft. I am with you there. I really think that he showed some things I was not expecting. Um, he showed to me that he can be a little bit more of a scorer and a little bit more of a shooter than I was expecting. And I'm pretty hyped on him. I'm going to take you to task on Dante Exum. This is Dante Exum's last chance, but he's going to get a last chance. Okay. But if we're talking fantasy, what has Dante Exum ever done that makes you think he's a fantasy relevant player? I mean, let's, I mean, why stop there? What has he done that makes me think he's a relevant NBA player? And the whole point, the only reason you're going to be good at fantasy is if you get the minutes. And if you're not a relevant NBA player, you're not going to get the minutes. But, but, okay. he, I mean, he did play around, almost 20 minutes a game last year. But like you, I think what you're alluding to, his percentages are weak. His steals and blocks and counting stats are weak. He's supposed to be a point guard and his assists suck. Uh, he can't shoot. So what his, is he providing? His uh, per 36 nothing. numbers. Let me read these for you. Oh, yeah. I don't even want to know. They're amazing. 3.9 rebounds, 3.3 assists, mm. 0.6 steals, 0.4 blocks, 12.1 points, 42.7% and 79.5% last year on the field goal and free throw. Isn't there a tool where you can like put a guy's name, an uh, NBA player's name in, and they'll show you like – the player who he's most like. Doesn't that I, exist somewhere? Is that nylon calculus maybe? I, I believe that is. You know what? Might have to go out to nylon calculus and uh, figure out who Dante Exum's uh, doppelganger but, is. NBA I, not, I get that he's young and all the Australians love him and rock on, man. I hope he does well for himself, but. I hope he carves out a, a long NBA career. I just don't see him as a fantasy asset ever. So if you're in a dynasty league, here's my advice. 
if you can get anything for Dante Exum, I'm getting it. I don't see any way this guy is ever even sniffing the top 100 in fantasy because he just doesn't do enough. He just doesn't produce enough stats. Yeah, if if you see him um, happen to play a handful of minutes a week and look really, really, really good, uh, now that would be the time to get rid of that dude um, because I, they're going to move on pretty quickly from that. And the, the point of even good, like I said, they're good at give him a final chance. My per thirty six thing, my point was, no one plays thirty six minutes anymore unless you're LeBron or LeBron. So if those numbers don't sound enticing, he's never going to play that many minutes. Even so, I don't know where you like where anyone thinks yeah, the crack is here. He's allegedly a uh, a point guard, and he can't get assists. Well, what he is, what are we doing here? At at his best case, I think is, and and not for fantasy and in real life NBA, he's Patrick Beverly. He's a dude who can lock down the point guard on the other team. Yeah, um, I think that's fair, and I think that's the only reason he gets minutes. His his drawback from being Patrick Beverly is he can't shoot. He can't shoot threes. He can't shoot really at all. And so he just basically has to be it's five on it's four on five on offense for your team, but then he can lock down uh Russell Westbrook or a Chris Paul or a Steph Curry. That's that's your hope. And I just don't see how those guys ever get a ton of minutes when they are a complete zero on offense. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure when he's ever gonna get the chance to play starters minutes. So let's um, let's never talk about Dante Exum again. Um, and I cannot find his player comparison, so we'll have to wait till the next episode to get to that. Um, what can you? What do you got going on? What do you have? Anything to plug? Any uh, new writings? Any I have writings here. A great. I, I'm going to say that. I'm going to say I'm going to go out on a limb and say a that great. it's great. Okay. 2018 NBA mock draft coming out on the 1st of September. And this thing is going to be like 10,000 words on any available man that I'm looking at right now in the college basketball season who might get drafted in that first round. There is the top 30. So there's a mock draft of the top 30. Then there's like seven additional players that I'm kind of seeing on the fringe of that first round. This bad boy is something you're going to want to read if you're into the draft. Wow, that sounds uh, aggressive. That sounds actually pretty interesting, especially as a Chicago Bulls fan. I will definitely be reading that one. Um, that comes out Friday, September first. Is that right? And yes, and it's a look. It's a it's a a preview of what the guy can do. So the goal is, was kind of okay. This is what this guy looks like now. This is maybe some ways where he can get better and improve his draft stock, and kind of things you can look for throughout the season. Plus, it gives you, oh, you know, this guy's a top 10 player and he's playing at Duke. Maybe I'm going to watch Duke against Missouri because you got Michael Porter against Bagley. And Duke's got a ton of top picks this year, so I'm not going to oh, yeah. leave anybody out. But, yeah, it's 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 going to be thorough. It's going to be in-depth. It's going to be fun. I would recommend checking it out. I'm definitely reading that one. Um, the Bulls are begging for Bagley, so that's the new – I'm going to get that hashtag going. Um <laughs> We have a uh, on my on my end of the world. There is a Central Division podcast uh, 
coming out on hashtag basketball.com uh, on the N- NBA deep dives podcast. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, stay tuned for that. That's uh, I will have some choice words for the um, Cleveland uh, representatives on this podcast, as I always do. So if, if you're into uh, people talking shit to Cleveland fans, you should definitely tune in to the NBA deep dives podcast, probably in the next week or two. And that's that's a fun show, and those previews are going to be cool because there's going to be multiple people on talking about the teams in each division, and there are te- guys that are going to be in the know about teams. So I recommend checking out all those ones. They got one for every division coming out in the next, I think, about two weeks, but I'm not positive about that. Yeah, subscribe to NBA Deep Dives um, the ha- on the Hashtag Basketball Podcast Network, which um, will be expanding over the, the rest of this season. There's going to be individual team podcast i'm also doing the hashtag bulls podcast which will be a very long depressing podcast i'm not really selling that very well but you know what you're getting into if you're listening to that podcast um and also i'm, I'm i don't know if it's going to go well talking crap about uh from a uh to cleveland fans because it used to be we could talk crap because we were kind of good and we'd always play them really well but you know now that i have nothing to lose it might actually be worse the shit talk that i that i send to cleveland might actually be worse since I, I literally have nothing to lose as a Bulls fan, as someone who's representing the Bulls on hashtag basketball. So we'll see how that goes. I would uh, definitely check that out. And you can find me on Twitter at watch the boxes and Tyler, you're at Watsy four, 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 and feel free to DM either one of us. If you're interested in the watching the boxes, fancy league, of champions 2017-18 wizard palace royal rumble you messed it up you messed it up there was hashtag basketball on it the first time yeah there was hashtag you know i'll have to go look at what the original title of it was uh go check out the last episode because the the actual title of this league is in it and dm us i get this in oh go ahead i mentioned this last episode you can also dm the hashtag basketball twitter accounts at hash basketball and the man, Joey, the owner and proprietor of the Mr. Hashtag, hashtag basketball. basketball, Mr. Hashtag Basketball himself, has promised an awesome prize for the winner of this league. So if that doesn't get you to want to join, I don't know what will. I agree. I want, you know, I want to win this, this prize. So well, I'm see, going to be trying my damnedest. I don't know if one, I'm eligible for the prize. One you know. slice of the prize is coming on this show, so it's going to be really funny when Mike and I have to interview myself. Oh, no, real, yeah. <laughs> real, real full of yourself, eh? We'll see. Well, if you're not, you know, you're passing on Blake Griffin in that f- fourth round. You're, you're, you're not going to win. All right, Mike, you enjoy your Blake Griffin. Let me know if 50 games into the season when he's out for the year, how point that's Blake, working out for you. Point Blake, it's going to work one year. It's going to be the only year it works. And I'm going to finally reap the benefits of drafting Blake Griffin. You are, Definitely you are in the regular season. You're going to have the best regular season record that he's going to be out for the playoffs. And I'm going to crush you and I'm going to laugh at you. Oh, ugh. I forgot we're going to do a head-to-head league with playoffs. <laughs> I'm really going to have to reconfigure my mindset out of, out of my usual roto, um, elite roto fantasy basketball playing to the, uh, the layman's head-to-head basketball. Uh, Mike, you're going you're gonna to be losing, man. I'm telling you already. Um, I've already got that prize circled on my calendar. I don't doubt it. So, yeah, uh, if you like what you hear, Rate us, review us, and join us next time for more NBA season previews. Uh, Thanks for joining me, Tyler. 
Uh, have a good one, Mike. Good night, everybody.